0: Hi, I'm Glenn and I'm Jim and welcome to the backstage show (laughs)
1: This week on The Backstage Show, we're going to continue and conclude our series on starting to direct. We're going to be discussing running a show.
0: I you said rubbing a show. We're going to
1: discuss rubbing a show. <laughs> no, running. Do you have your headphones on? Are they adjusted properly? Oh, running crap. They're backwards. <laughs> <laughs> so by now, if we haven't completely talked you out of direct... If we haven't completely <laughs> lost you on this episode... <laughs> you were going to say something. <laughs> if we haven't completely talked you out of directing, yes, go Okay.
0: On. You're in it for the long haul, and now you're going to have to figure out how to work with your actors, how to work with your producer, how to work with your set constructing team, oh. and anybody else who you've got on your crew to put this whole shebang together.
1: Not to mention working with the theater and the board and all of that that's involved.
0: Exactly. Yeah. There are lots of logistics to, to go through. It's not just... Not just telling actors what to do on a stage. Yeah.
1: They don't call it community theater for nothing.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> it takes a community to put this whole thing together. Yeah,
1: I mean, it pretty much does. Yes, as a director, you kind of have the final say of stuff. But without everybody else that's helping you out, you're nothing. You're useless. <laughs> I mean, it's it's true. It, it it really does take the work of all of the people that, that, that Jim and I just mentioned. And if you don't know how to work with them, you're probably not going to be successful.
0: Right. Um, But you're the showrunner, so everybody is going to be coming to you throughout the entire process to make decisions on things.
1: And have the answers for everything. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And these might be really tiny minutiae that you might not have even really given much thought about yet.
1: Yeah. I might've actually, at some point as a director, you know, had somebody approach me with a question and answer with, I really don't care. Yeah. Because, gonna, because sometimes they that. do really come down to Yeah. Do you think, you know, should I change my shoelaces in this scene? And I, I don't care. <laughs> you know, if somebody's looking at your shoelaces, you're not doing your job.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: But yeah. So, I mean, that, that's, that's part of the aspect of working with actors.
0: Yeah, I have a example. I won't name names, but recent production actors coming up with questions about, should I take X prop with me to move over to this other part of the stage, or should I leave it behind? Mm. Uh, questions like that. And these are things that come up in between breaks of running a scene and... They seem kind of like little minor details. Sometimes they might be important if that prop
1: has to get to the other side of the stage at some point. I know I've dealt with stuff where like, okay, I know this bag has to be picked up yeah. from here later in this scene. So how does it get from point A to point B? I'm not so much
0: talking about that as I am talking mm-hmm. about more personal affectations kinds ah. of props.
1: Yeah, that can get him. <laughs> Um
0: Well, this, okay, so this is part of the working with actors component of it. Mm-hmm. Different actors, depending on their skill level, uh, depending on their comfort level, are going to need to be dealt with in different
1: ways. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there are some actors that, not to put too fine a point on it, but some actors require hand-holding and you need to walk them through things. And, you know, I've talked in the past about how I prefer organic blocking. Well, there's certain people that I work with that don't really take to that. And you have to be like, you know, okay, on this line, I want you to cross over to this spot and then you turn here and you do this. And, and some of these people that I, I've worked with on several occasions, because they're great actors, they just have a different approach and they don't, they're not suited to, yeah, I want you to end up over here by the end of the scene. And that's fine.
0: Well, i that's where, that's a big part of where you coming in as a director have the perspective of you're seeing it through the audience's point of view. So right. some actors maybe feel like they don't have the sense of what, how is this playing to the audience? Right. Not so much. What is my character going through? How do I portray that? But what's what's what are they going to see?
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of times that comes out from your actors and the questions with uh, you know does this look stupid or how does this look? Right, because they they can't tell. I mean, they're they're doing things that might seem natural for somebody to do who's not on a stage, or they might seem natural for somebody to do who is on a stage, but it feels weird. Like one of the things is uh, you know, always facing out. Cheating out. Cheating out, yes. So if you're not familiar with this term, actors should always be turned out somewhat to the audience. So if you're having a conversation one-on-one with somebody, you're generally not facing directly at them. You're facing in their direction, but slightly out to the audience. And To some actors, that just feels weird. I mean, I think you get used to it after a while, but I know I had to have that drilled into me a Mm -hmm. lot uh, early on because I just, I I couldn't remember because it just, it wasn't natural.
0: And as an extension of that, having your back to the audience.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's sometimes that it's almost inevitable, but like there's certain (laughs) ways to do turns so that you don't turn your back to the audience. You kind of cross stage and turn back to the middle of the stage so that... But sometimes, and sometimes that
0: sometimes that just comes off looking hokier.
1: Yes, and it looks like some sort of flourish that you don't intend. So, I mean, this is the kind of thing as a director that you meet, need to make that judgment. Is this a case where it's best to avoid turning your back to the audience or is it fine to turn your back to the audience?
0: <laughs> One actor I've worked with had a term for it, backting. Backting. <laughs> yes.
1: I've had certain circumstances where, like, I've been forced... Not forced. I, in a certain scene, the directorial choice... And as a director, I might have made the same choice was to be delivering your line to the back wall of the stage because you're crossing up or whatever. And that's the time that it has to be delivered. And then, you know, that's a circumstance where you have to deliver your line louder because you're not facing the audience. It's yeah, I little think little details
0: personally from how it looks, I don't necessarily think it's it looks stupid to have occasionally. Occasionally, have mm. an actor turn their back to the audience. Yeah, I, I think I it's when not- I mean, you watch TV shows all the time where you're seeing different camera angles and it's behind one person, then it's behind the other person, so that you see the face of the person they're talking to. Sure. You don't get that on a stage, obviously, but it's perfectly fine to have an actor showing their back to you, but the fact that you still have to be able to hear what they're saying, but you're contending with the audio factor of it as far as being able to project and still be sure. heard. With yeah, your back away I mean that's that's you almost a that. bigger
1: deal if you're delivering lines upstage uh, rather than just having your back turn. But there's certain I, I've dealt with with actors who just kind of have this habit of turning their back and not turning back around. Like it's if you're the focus of a scene, generally you're not going to be turning your back on the audience. But if you're a secondary character who's trying to get from one spot to another, you might turn your back to get there, but then you have to remember to turn back around. Right. We're getting off on a tangent and <laughs> details and stuff, but everything
0: you want to know about acting. Yes. <laughs> Afraid to ask.
1: <laughs> so yeah, beyond the, the the blocking questions, whether you know you have your organic blocking versus your hand holding blocking, and the degrees between with your actors, you're also dealing with the uh, the time honored, dreaded, stereotypical, "What's my motivation?" <laughs> and this is something where you've told an actor, uh, you know, uh, you need to cross over to the other side of the stage here. And they'll go, well, what's my motivation? Why, Why am I crossing the other side? Of I've had certain circumstances where I've just told them, because I told you to. <laughs> uh, because there, there because might I be, said yeah, so. There might be something where you, the actor, the character, whatever, needs to be in a certain spot on the stage. There is no good reason for it. And certain actors are better than others at making it look natural anyway. But sometimes I just have to tell you, you have to tell the actors, you just need to make this cross because you need to be there.
0: I have run into that a lot. I think it just becomes more of a problem when you have a bigger cast.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because a bigger cast, as we've said, it's a lot of choreography and making sure that nobody's walking into each other and everybody is where they need to be when they need to
0: be there. And I know you don't always, as we mentioned last episode, you don't necessarily always have the finals performance space available to you early on, but that can really get in your way as far as not knowing exactly where things are going to be. Yeah. And the timing on getting everybody's on top of each other. Mm -hmm.
1: And I mean, if you've got doors and things like that, you don't know how long it's going to take to open a door and get in and close the door. And it's all sorts of little details that tend to work themselves out during tech week or, you know, leading up to tech week. But a lot of times you don't have that complete set until tech week.
0: Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't
1: have that complete set till opening night. <laughs> you hope not to have it that late. But, I mean, a lot of times there's, like, at least paint details and things like that.
0: Well, that those are kinds of things that are not, at that point, usually affecting yeah. how an actor is going to interact with the set.
1: No, at worst they might affect lighting. But hopefully you've got your colors at least close. <laughs> Mostly complete. Uh, but, yeah, the other issues with, you know, the other what's my motivation is uh, just built into the script, where you know if a character is acting a certain way, the the actor might say, "Well, why am I telling this character to go to hell or whatever their line is? Whatever it is, they might ask you that, and you have to have the answer. You need to tell them why the, it is that your their character's acting this certain way. So you need to have a a decent sense of the characters and their motivations.
0: Did you ever have a moment where you had to say, "I got to think about that"?
1: I absolutely have. I mean, it, it definitely. I'm sure I have. On. Because, like, uh, you know, I've said in a previous episode that um, the actors are going to end up knowing these characters better than you are. So they're bound to ask questions that you hadn't considered. And sometimes they'll ask me something and I'll, I'll be like, either I haven't thought about it or and and I don't have an answer or I haven't thought about it. I'll be like, oh, it's interesting that you asked that. And I'm guessing it's probably because of this it, like it, it occurs to me right away. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there have been circumstances where I've said, you know, I don't really have a good answer for that or, or you know, the best thing to do is to turn it around. And go, well, what do you think? <laughs> why do you think they do that because translation
0: i don't know yeah
1: i mean that is basically the translation but as i keep saying they're going to know these characters better so you know they might have an answer they might be asking you that just to get your input on it or they might have an idea but they're not sure about it so that's a way to just kind of boost your actor's confidence is is, you know well what do you think yeah that
0: that sounds good let me take a step back and this kind of ties into sort of a philosophy i've had with directing Mm -hmm. i think of it Always is a collaborative process. Yeah, I'm. I don't look at it as my job to stand up there and tell you every single thing you can do or cannot do, or mm-hmm. any of that. I always am open to and appreciate people coming up with ideas as far as things they can contribute to their performance as an actor, let's say, or yeah. any ideas really no idea is not good enough to me depending on no matter who it comes from
1: absolutely I mean this is what I was talking about uh, up front with you know It puts the community in community theater because it is a community it is uh, something that you're going to get input from actors you're going to get input from anybody you never know where it's going to come from my, my take on that is I usually talk to people about my directing style when we get started at the read through or whatever where you know, I'll, I'll tell you what to do I'll give you whatever direction it is that you need but uh, this is a collaborative thing and I, I want your input I want you to to feel free to try different things and to uh, give me what your ideas are as long as it's understood that I make the final decision yeah because I'm going in I've got a vision and i want to make sure that whatever they're adding to it uh, I want to make sure that whatever they're adding to it adds to the vision and a- at least doesn't fight against that vision sure so yeah I-, I I absolutely think that you need everybody you need your actors you need your tech crew you need, your producer you need everybody and and it is a collaborative effort.
0: So speaking of some of those other people that you need, mm-hmm. let's talk about them for a moment. Okay. Like that elusive no, not elusive. <laughs> the the producer role that we the two of us have not been able yes. to get our heads all the way around.
1: Yeah, we've said it before and we'll say it again, if you're a producer that's got some experience and wants to talk about your experience, please send us an email at uh, podcast@backstage.link and we'd definitely be interested in having you on the show and uh, talking about producing. I've gotten a little bit better working with producers and and understanding their role a bit better. Uh, As I've said, when I started, to me, a producer was just somebody that handled the money.
0: Well, that's always the first question to ask going in is how much money do I have to work with? Yeah, What's What's my my budget?
1: Right. What's my budget? If you don't have to work that out uh, submitting the show, because a lot of times that's worked out ahead of time or it's pretty much always worked out ahead of time, whether you're making your own budget or the theater is telling you what your budget is. Yeah. But yeah, in my experience, the, the producer has handled that and made sure that Collected Every, all the receipts. Yep, collected receipts so everybody gets reimbursed for anything they may spend personally on the show and making sure that that we don't
0: overspend what we're given. Sure, yeah. I mean, you know, talking to the producer about, okay, here's what I was thinking of to implement you know, a prop, but I might need to do it this way. Yeah, I might need uh, $100 or something mm-hmm. like that. Could we afford to spend that or have to come up with a different idea?
1: And I've also come to rely on producers a little bit more with, uh, oh, I need a prop for this. Find it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I need a, I'm trying to think of an example for something. I need a a, a bird that, that disappears halfway through the show, which I kind of did need in the last show I directed. There was supposed to be this magic trick in the middle on it turned out that uh, the actor that was doing it just kind of, went through our prop closet and found stuff that would work. But that's something that I had the producer going, hey, see what you can find to make a bird disappear. And they might find that. Do I look like a magician to you? No, you look like a producer. <laughs> so produce something.
0: When it comes when it comes closer to opening the show, too, producers tend to get involved with uh, staffing, uh, not... we're calling staffing or crew we had this debate earlier i guess that's crew i guess that's more crew well it's not just crew Mm -hmm. it's actually more i don't probably not even crew at all because you probably have a fixed crew that you've already put together the stage manager maybe has helped recruit people or whatever Mm -hmm. i'm thinking of like people to be in the lobby to do concessions uh to sell 50 50 tickets
1: see to from my experience the theater is responsible for that not the individual show well, that's, that's
0: That's been my personal experience. Yeah, I think uh, in my experience it's been that the producer tends it tends to fall more in the producer to recruit said people for that Or that, that or I show. don't even know. It's
1: also entirely possible that my producer has arranged this and I didn't even know. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, my understanding has been that the right. producer is more hands-on involved with that kind well, of stuff.
1: Well, I know uh, at, uh, at least my experience at Barley Chief, the people who are running box office or ushering are assigned by the theater. There's actually somebody on the board whose job it is to find somebody. Oh, okay. That. So, I mean, but, uh, you know, as we've said, Different theaters do things different ways. So your producer might be responsible for that.
0: But the I was talking. The producers I've worked with have also been kind of paying attention to tickets sold mm-hmm. or, you know, planning out when tickets go on sale, keeping track of when tickets get sold.
1: Interesting. See, I, again, I've had the theaters do that.
0: Yeah. No, it's, again, different theaters, I guess, handle a little bit differently.
1: Yeah. But talking about crew, I mean, yeah, stage crew is probably handled by your uh, stage manager, but you've also got uh, lighting crew and sound crew, potentially, True, who are you know running the tech because you've got, uh, a lot of the times, it's the same person who's designing your lights and running your lights, but sometimes... Not always. Yeah. Sometimes you need separate people to do that, and your producer can, can find people or should be able to find people to do that for you.
0: Yeah. In some cases, you might need separate people to do booth duty for lights and sound versus one person who can handle it all.
1: Yep. Yeah, right. Depends on how complicated things are.
0: <laughs> or, how, or how far apart the equipment is. You know, one guy in a booth reaching with his yeah. right hand over to one side. and Yeah, I mean, the, if you've got overlapping
1: board. cues, that can be kind of difficult.
0: Yeah, well, that's probably par for the course for many shows, especially if uh, you got a lighting change at the end of the scene and then there's sort of an inter-music mm-hmm. cue going on at the same time.
1: Yeah, well, that's when you build in a delay in your sound cue so they can trigger the sound cue, then go over to the lights and do the lights, and then the sound cue comes on. <laughs>
0: depends on if how... you really want to overcomplicate yeah things. right depends uh, depends on how critical the timing is
1: yeah so another thing to talk about when you're when you're running a show you know you get to opening night which is going to be different in each theater some some theaters do some sort of open night event some don't but something to consider is green room rituals so that varies from show to show there's a uh,
0: sacrificing op- goats yeah <laughs>
1: slaying of the firstborn you No. Know, all <laughs> yeah. sorts of different things no. biblical stuff yeah cats and dogs sleeping together <laughs> no i it, uh, uh, the most common green room ritual that i'm thinking of is the circle um, yes yeah a lot of the uh a lot of you know I, I don't do this as a director i don't direct my actors to do this but uh, a lot of shows like to just kind of form a circle with all the actors and sometimes they hold hands sometimes they don't and they I don't know. What, what have you experienced once that circle is formed? Because
0: that seems to vary. <laughs> well, sometimes, whether the circle just happens on opening night or before every performance, mm-hmm. that can vary. That's true. In shows I've directed when we've had a circle on opening night, it I guess it's fallen on me to provide some sort of inspirational, motivational speech.
1: Yeah, I, I do try to like give them some sort of speech every night. Don't screw up. That kind of thing.
0: That's the general idea. Maybe uh, I think some people have opened the floor to other people if they, anybody else wants to say anything.
1: Mm-hmm. I've done, like, uh, what's your favorite line in the show? That kind of thing.
0: Oh, uh, well. Gone one, around, like, in a circle. Yeah. For a different one, person each night. One thing is, you know, kind of break the huddle and... Some catchphrase or something like that to uh, everybody says before you break.
1: Ready, break, that kind of thing. Whoa, Bundy! Or something like
0: that. Yeah, I mean, it is
1: kind of like a huddle where you're getting all psyched up and ready to go and that sort of thing. I've had some directors that, like, insist that everybody be there for that and that kind of thing. I I, I try to do it a little loosely and not not be quite so restrictive because, you know, different actors like to do different things. And I like to honor that. Well, that's very noble of you. I try. And then there's also the question once your show opens, you know, you've gotten to opening night, everything's all blocked, all your tech's done, your show's ready to go, you give that motivational speech, they go out and do their level best. What's your job then as a director?
0: Me personally, I do absolutely nothing.
1: Yeah. See, <laughs> I've had. I've had. Uh, I sit back,
0: I sit backstage, maybe I listen. I've Maybe once or twice I've actually gone out into the house to mm. watch the show, but by that point I'm usually tired of the show. I've had a lot of watch different it again.
1: experiences from an acting standpoint and from a directing standpoint. Early on when I was directing, I was I was kind of like you. I would sit in the green room. I would kind of, you know, put a half an ear toward it. Sometimes I'd go up and start to watch, and then I'd be like, oh, they, they dropped a the line. They messed something up, and then I'd get all frustrated. Right. Like, but I've kind of eased up over that, and I do sit in the audience and watch it unless it's sold out. If there's nowhere for me to go, then... I've actually stood at the back of the theater sometimes, or I'll go sit in the green room because I don't feel like standing through the whole show. But yeah, I've gotten to a point where I'm like, I, I know it's not going to be perfect every night.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's the nature of live theater, which we'll talk about in the future. Yeah. But, but um,
1: I've, had, I've had some directors who continue to direct after the show opens.
0: I am not one of them. <laughs> uh, my, my I tend stance... to firmly believe that my job is over at that point, and mm-hmm. you, for better or worse the actors are going to do what they're going to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's generally true. For the most part, once it opens, you're handing it over to your stage manager and and it's their show at that point. My personal stance has been as a director, the only time I give any notes, the only time I do any direction after a show is opened is if they change something. Mm -hmm. If they've been doing it in a certain way and then suddenly they decide, oh, you know what? I'll bet I'll get a laugh if I try this. So they change something. I, I, I try to tell them, beforehand like nobody's seen this show you know none of the audience members have seen this show so do it like you've been doing it before but if they decide they're going to change something unless you know it's happened before where they change something on opening night and i'm like "Eh, actually that works better so i'm going to keep my mouth shut but most of the time it's like we've gone through the rehearsal period we've locked everything down don't try to change something because you might throw off the other actors right and i've had some actors that like to pull practical jokes during the run of a show
0: (laughs) i hate that or i've hated that as an actor
1: yeah, one one guy in particular that I've worked with who really likes practical jokes, he has a sense of who's going to be able to handle who it. Who can about. handle
0: it better than it. Yeah. yeah.
1: This is the guy that played Dracula for me and had—one uh, night he had a pull. I believe it was Mina. He's, like, pulling her into an embrace from behind, uh, you know, pulling him, her tightly against him. And one night he put a tennis ball down. His <laughs> so— yeah. So that's the kind of shenanigans you might have to put up with during Uh, a run of a show. So you should discourage that, although, you know, she was a trooper and she went right through it. Nothing.
0: All right. I'm going to back off my statement a little bit. If there are certain situations where, let's say something really unexpected happened in one performance and Mm -hmm. the actor kind of felt like they weren't sure what to do about it. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe throw out an idea. Okay, next time, if this does happen, you could try doing yeah, this. yeah. i something mean it, it's like certainly
1: that. useful to be able to do that i also try <laughs> sometimes
0: is- i find myself or i have found myself in situations where sometimes if x actor forgot something one night maybe mm-hmm. my job then becomes uh if i know that seems coming up you got your pipe yeah you know, your wallet whatever the prop was that was missing Props are good to do that with.
1: I feel like lines that almost curses you if you try to be like, make sure you don't forget this line. That's like, (laughs) no, I don't think I've done that. Then they'll remember that one and forget all the
0: others. (laughs) Uh, Kind of, you know, maybe just helping deal with some of the unforeseen stuff a little bit better.
1: Yeah. I try to prepare them for that ahead of time. It's things like uh, one of my big things when I'm directing is if somebody drops something, pick it up. Yes. Because that's something that that's a lot of directors don't think about. It's way and more distracting yeah. to ignore it. Actors are it. like, oh crap, that's dropped. But but what happens is if you're, yeah, it's more distracting. If you're in the audience and you see somebody drop something, it'll be like, oh, is that important? What did they drop? What is that? Are they going to pick it up? Do they notice that? Do they see what that is? So they're going to end up concentrating on whatever was dropped. Exactly. You just have to kind of act naturally. And, and it's also like, if somebody cannot suppress a sneeze on stage, it's perfectly okay for another actor to go bless you. Because that's what the character would do, you know, if somebody sneezed, you'd say, bless you. You wouldn't be like, oh, he sneezed. What do I
0: do now? Well, maybe not in a really tense standoff kind of a moment.
1: Well, hopefully they'd be able to suppress the sneeze in a really tense standoff. <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: maybe not. <laughs> Sometimes you got to sneeze. Just imagining like Austin and Lee staring at each other and then, A-choo! <laughs> <laughs> That would not be good. <laughs> no. But he'd still, yeah, he'd still say, bless you, though. Maybe. <laughs> we didn't really get into the logistics of set construction so nah. much.
1: That that also varies from theater to theater. I've had actually worked at some theaters where they don't want the actors touching the set. But my general experience has been that the actors are
0: building the set. Yeah, because we need people.
1: Yeah. And that's something, as a director, I try to stress, like, look, even if you have no idea how to hold a hammer, you can't build or anything— come to as many construction days as you can. Because if you can't build, it's just a good morale building experience. It's it's a good bonding experience for the actors.
0: Or if you'd rather paint than build. Yeah. That, or if you'd rather build thing. than paint.
1: Yeah. I mean, whatever you can do, just be there whenever you can be there. Uh, there's going to be a master carpenter who should be able to be like, okay, yeah, build this can. and here's <laughs> how you put it together. Yeah.
0: You need... You definitely need one person who can kind of run the show and knows what he's doing. Yeah,
1: and that's one of the reasons, like, if I design sets, I, a lot of set designers are also master carpenters. I am not, because while I can design a set, my carpentry skills are, while above average, they're not enough for me to be able to tell everybody how to do everything.
0: Yeah, I think I've gotten a little bit better at it as far as the approach, but I would probably be more inclined to defer to somebody as far as if I'm concerned about something not falling down. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That that that's a good thing to have it not fall down. Yeah. Well, it's, it's weird, happened yeah. before.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's happened
1: to me before too, and we can talk about that in a future episode. Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. course.
0: Also, remember what comes up must go down. Yes, that's that's or what, what goes I was about up must say. come down.
1: Yeah, I, and and a lot of master carpenters are very good at building something that will stay up for four weeks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's which, all. Which has so it's all it weeks. has to do, and you know, and I'm not building stuff. a real house. Yeah, it's like I had a railing to build in the last show I was in. For some reason, I got in charge of building this railing but the, the styles, the vertical pieces of this railing were like from two different railings and they didn't quite match. So they were different heights and I wasn't able to match the heights on the on the straight part. So I just cut a section out of it and taped it together. So this railing was literally made out of masking tape and paint. In yeah,
0: we've had many situations of maybe the flats don't quite line up or they're not square or yep. what have you. and
1: Masking tape is your friend.
0: Yep, exactly. Filling in all the gaps. Yep.
1: Yeah. That's, that's pretty much what happens. So when you're sitting out in the audience and looking at a show, it should look right. It should look, you know, as perfect as it's supposed to look, if that makes any sense. Relatively Because sometimes the sets, Depending on, you
0: know, within yeah. the limitations of your budget.
1: Right. Well, and also sometimes it might be, it might take place in a rundown building and it should look rundown.
0: Yeah. In which case... Whatever's appropriate.
1: Yeah. In which case they're going to make efforts to make it look rundown. But yeah, from the audience, it should look within the budget as exact as possible to the setting but when you're up there and you're looking at it close up it might look a lot different (laughs) because these are amateurs these are not builders these are not even actors these are who knows teachers lawyers editors computer scientists engineers that's what i was getting to yeah so it's it's all of that and you gotta you gotta work with what you've got so you want to get a master carpenter who knows what he's doing and can guide these random people into some sort of building team
0: yeah and you need to allow for enough time to make sure it all as much as possible falls into place by the time you need it by well preferably by tech <laughs> or opening night or
1: yeah i find there's always little details that get put on during tech week and it's never I'm not so much right the little
0: details opening. just the structure of it
1: yeah the structure you try to get up as quick as possible
0: and then it's what i was saying before what goes that must come down it pretty much just about every theater's policy as soon as closing night happens or the next day or what have you hmm You gotta take down all the set, set.
1: and it's usually the same people put it up. But you know, it's kind of like you don't let any of the actors leave until the set's down. Whereas (laughs) you have a little less control over their. Pretty much every theater has a pretty
0: strict rule about everybody's got to show up for set strike. Yep. And you know, one theater, Barn Playhouse, gets around that by doing it immediately after closing.
1: That's uh, they do that at uh, Barley Sheep as well. So everybody's already there.
0: You have a captive audience, literally.
1: I think Forge does that now as well. They used to strike the next day, but I think they do it right after the show now.
0: I personally think. Kind of kills the buzz of the cast party a little bit myself. It
1: does because then your cast party's not starting till one in the morning, but and nobody wants to stay very long. No. I just
0: was at a cast party last weekend, and that's exactly what happened. Yep. Like I think probably maybe fifteen minutes after the party started, or at least after the time I got there, people started leaving. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's tough, but I mean that's got to come down because you got to be ready for the next show. So it's understandable because a lot of people, if you do it the next day, won't show up, which is a shame. Yeah. But I mean, I've always said, well, just have the policy: if they don't show up, they're not allowed to be cast again.
0: I think I've had pretty good luck with people showing up for Set Strike if it was the next day.
1: Yeah, I mean, so have I, but that's
0: the risk. Yeah, yeah. right.
1: I guess that pretty much covers the, the general walking you through your first show. We'll cover more details and more directing bits later. If you've got any other ideas on what you'd like us to cover, send us an email, podcast at backstage.link. We're also looking to uh, carry on some interviews and get some other people on here. So if you're interested in talking about your experiences, same email, podcast at backstage.link.
0: So at this point, we haven't determined yet what our next episode will be about. No,
1: nope, we've got a few ideas, but podcast at backstage.link if you've got any more ideas.
0: <laughs> we're, uh, we're open to... We're a collaborative process. Yes. Just like community theater, we're yep. a collaborative process. So thank Let you for Let this be your podcast, too. Yes.
1: Our podcast is your podcast. <laughs> Meantime, thank you for listening. This has been The Backstage Show. I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim, and we'll see you next time.
0: Hi. <laughs> <laughs> that made absolutely no sense. <clears throat> no.
1: <laughs> This week on the Backstage Show, we're going to continue and conclude that like, backstage <laughs> show.
0: <laughs> that's the sump pump. Oh. It'll shut off in a few seconds.
1: Just ignore that. <laughs> let's start over.
0: <laughs> no, let's keep it going. All right. What was I saying? Oh. Um, I keep bumping this. Quit bumping the mic. What, does that does that come through? Can you, yeah. Can you hear that? Yeah. Hi. I'm Glenn.
1: <laughs> and I'm Jim and welcome to the backstage show. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh. <laughs> <laughs>